Good morning, church. How are you? Good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Some of you got that. (laughs) Have you ever been arrested by a view? Some of y'all got nervous when I said, have you ever been arrested? (laughs) Have you ever been arrested by a view? Uh, A year and a half ago, my uh, family and I, we went out to the Pacific Northwest. My first time being out there. Beautiful. Uh, My wife grew up in the panhandle of Idaho. And uh, so we got to go up and and check that out. She grew up in a small town called Spirit Lake, Idaho. And near Spirit Lake is a kind of, I don't know, it's a small city, touristy kind of place. Uh, A lot of people go to it called Coeur d'Alene. Maybe you've heard of it. And I was really excited when we got there. Her sister lives in Coeur d'Alene. That's who we were staying with. So we got to spend a lot of time there. And we decided to go about 40 minutes east to go up a mountain and check it out. And while we were driving, we uh, were downtown Lake Coeur d'Alene and then getting on the uh, interstate going, going east, okay? So we're driving down the interstate, and it goes along the, the kind of border of this lake. And, y'all, in between the, in, in between the, 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 the trees... I got so excited. I'm getting so excited just to even think about it. I can't even talk. Uh, I, I kept seeing this blue, like this immaculate blue water that I had never seen before. It was like crystal blue. And I'm getting so excited. I'm like, Sarah, look, look, look. And she's like, uh, yeah, I know. It's amazing. I know, right? Like, I've been here before. Uh, and so we go there. We go to the mountain. That was great. And then we come back, and I was like, Sarah, we got we to go see the lake. Because like I grew up going to the lake, okay? I grew up uh, in Indiana, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, northeast Indiana. Maybe you've been to Lake James or somewhere in Angola. You used to go up to Crooked Lake all the time. So whenever I'm around water or on the water, it just makes me nostalgic. Grew up going on boats and tubing and all that stuff. So I, I'm at home on the lake. And so we went down there, and we went to this place, uh, what became our favorite spot. We went down there during the day. It was awesome. They, y'all, if you ever go to Coeur d'Alene, you got to go downtown and go to the boardwalk, okay? You have to go to the boardwalk, because I had never been to a boardwalk. I had never been on a boardwalk. And then we went again that night with uh, her family and our family, and like, it was kind of a family reunion. So we, we all got to go to the boardwalk and check, okay. When I saw that, this, this picture does it no justice, okay? But it's what I got to work with. That was a picture I took, okay? And I just have to say, when I saw that, because the, the feeling you get when you're on a boardwalk, you got the, the, the water kind of brushing up against the, the wood of the boardwalk, and you got your family, like, laughing and talking, and then you see that, and it's like, oh, let's not leave here. This is so good. Like, let's build a house on the boardwalk, you know? Like, I'll be a homeless person because of that. It'd be awesome. And so, like, it was just so, so cool. And when I saw that view, y'all, I could not move. And I'm like, this is beautiful. Like, God, you really, you got some skills, man. You know? Like, that, that sunset, the mountains in the, in the background, and the, the boardwalk with the lights, it just felt right. You know, my wife loves Nicholas Sparks books. It felt like a scene from Nicholas Sparks. You know what I mean? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Other guys, you're like, dude, you're lame. That's all right. I get it. Have you ever been arrested by a view? Maybe for you, it was when you were on a mountain and you saw the mountain rage before you and it was just like, whoa, look at this. Maybe, maybe for some of you, it was when you went to Hocking Hills and you saw the waterfalls and the caves and you're like, this isn't Ohio, what? Right? Like, that's just crazy. And then, maybe it was when you saw the ocean for the first time. 
Maybe it was when you got to the beach and you're like, because the water just, y'all, it keeps going because we can't see the others. Maybe it was when you went scuba diving and and you were getting to live as a fish. You got to see what what they are working with uh, on daily life. Maybe it was when you got to see a sunset that was just so colorful and amazing. Maybe it was a sunrise for you morning people like me. Uh, I don't know what the view would be. I've been to the Grand Canyon too. Like first time you see that, you're like, what is, it's like a big hole, but it's really cool. Like, that's all it is. It's just a hole, but it's really awesome. And you just, wow. Have you ever been arrested by a view? Have you ever just gotten to a view and you're like, I can't move. This is, ah, no words. How many of you know, like in life, a lot of times we're living on the highway, but for those of you who have been to a view, you know that you got to get off the highway, get out of the car. You got to do some hiking to get to the view. Sometimes we got to slow down to be able to see it. But the thing is, there is a view that uh, surpasses all the views that we could talk about in this room and anyone who has ever seen all of the world in this world, like this view that I'm going to talk about today is so much better than all of those combined, infinitely better than all of those combined. And it's a view when we see it, it puts us on a pursuit, on a path toward joy and peace and just things that we could never thought were possible. There is a view that is infinitely better than Lake Coeur d'Alene on the boardwalk. It's better than Yosemite Park. It's better than all of those combined. Have you ever been arrested by a view? We're going to be in the book of Romans today. Before we get into that, uh, we've been in the series called I Believe for some time now. And uh, if you've been tracking with us, there are also books out in the next steps. If you haven't gotten one, you can still pick one up. I think they're like five bucks. Um, but you'll, you'll learn a lot about just what, what, what is Christianity and what, what do I do about that? So the first 10 weeks we've been talking about like what, what, who's God, what is that? Like the big ideas of the Christian faith. So if you're not sure quite what you believe, then go grab that book or go back to uh, our website and watch those past messages. We talked about who is God, like Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father, Trinity thing. What's that all about? Salvation, what, are humans sinful? Like we probably don't need a sermon on that, but we, you know, we preached one and all these different things. Like what is the church? Is the church a building? No, it's the people. And so we talked about all these different things about what we believe as Christians. And then here about four weeks ago, we made a pivot to where we said, okay, if that's what we believe, y'all, then what is it that we do? What what does this life look like if that's what we believe? And so we talked about worship. We talked about prayer, reading our Bibles. uh, And we talked about single-mindedness. We talked about how the idea that if we want our life to count, we need to be gripped by the God of grace. And today we're gonna be talking about this idea of total surrender, that if we really do believe what Christianity espouses to, teaches us, what God has taught us in the Bible and what his followers have taught us throughout history, then what is it that I do? Well, I can't help myself but to surrender. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. But if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it. We're gonna be in the book of Romans today. And Romans is a letter that a guy named Paul wrote to a church in Rome. That's why we call it Romans. It's very creative. And it was talking about, you know, talking to a church of filled with people who were, you know, probably new to, new to the faith because everyone was new to the faith. And they were learning, what, what does this mean? What is Christianity? Uh, I get that I'm sinful. I get, like, what is this? I, I, Jesus sounds really good, and I'm in on him. But if you, if you ever read the book of Romans, what it's basically answering is the question, what is Christianity? What is that? 
What is Christianity and what does the Christian life look like? And it's a very powerful book. And so we're going to be in the book of Romans. And where we're going to be coming to is in the end of chapter 11. And really this is a pivot point in the book. It's a very pivot point in the letter that Paul has been writing. And we'll get into that. So let's, let's dive in. Romans 11, starting in verse 33. He says, Oh, the depths of the riches both of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? And who has ever given to God that he should be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Therefore, we're going to stop there. So in the book of Romans, in the first 11 chapters up to verse 32. Paul has been talking about this idea that we as people, he's been going all the way to the back, to the, to, be, to the beginning and saying, hey guys, as people, I know some of you are Jews, some of you are Gentiles, uh, some of you Jews, you think that you got life going on because you're Jewish and that's to you, that's how you can be favored with God and that's the only thing. And, but guess what? You messed it up. You messed the law that I gave you so that you would thrive as people. You messed it up. And for you Gentiles, guess what? You're not ignorant of this thing because I wrote the law on your heart so that you would know right and wrong. He's saying, listen, guys, as human beings, we are all messed up sinful human beings who have no hope apart from what I'm about to tell you. And then he goes on talking about how we have all fallen short of the glory of God and yet, while we were still sinners, God sent Jesus to die for us so that we would be transferred because we used to be, and, and some of us still are today, if we have not surrendered to Jesus, we were enemies of God we weren't just apathetic toward God when I was like growing up and not in the church and just kind of like, oh, I, you know, I believe in God, you know. I was, not, I was apathetic, but I really wasn't apathetic. In all reality, I was an enemy of God. I was strapping on my gear, got my gun, and I was going toward the battle line and going against God whether I knew it or not. And he's saying, know what, guess what, this is so good because God has done something that you could never do on your own. He has said, you know what, you're enemies of me, but I'm gonna do something to make you my family. So we have been transferred from being enemies of God to being families, to being in the family of God, to being sons and daughters of his. He said, you know, guys, the sin that really just wrestles with you, the fact that you can't do right no matter how much you want to, you're all, we are all enslaved to sin. We got shackles on. We cannot escape it. But guess what? I know a guy, his name's Jesus, and what he did is he took those shackles, he broke them, and freed you so that you would live a life that he always meant for you to live, and that is in his will, in his grace, and in his family. You are not anymore slaves to sin. You are like the, the Israelites from Egypt being freed from slavery and being brought into the promised land. That is what your hope is. And then he goes on because yes, we're reconciled to God as people, but also like get this, this is so huge. You guys, you Jews, you guys, you Gentiles, you guys have a lot of odds at, at each other. You're always trying to come at each other. You have a lot of differences. Let's call it what it is, racism, both sides. But guess what God has done? 
He dives into this, Romans 9 through 11. God has reconciled you to people groups. You two people to one. Do you know what? The, the, the power of God isn't just between you and him to reconcile your relationship between you and him, but it's to reconcile everyone to each other so that we would be a new people. That would be a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people set apart for his possession. And so he's, he's talked about all of that. I just gave you all Romans 11, like 1 through 11, 32. Check it though. And then he's like overcome with joy and giving praise to the one who made it all happen. And that's really what this is. They, they call it a hymn of praise. And he says, oh, the depth of the riches. And just, just so you know, this is my opinion on the Greek and the way it's worded here. Um, because of verse 34 and 35, instead of saying both of the wisdom and of the knowledge, I think it's going to be an and. Say, so this just changes a little bit. Just so you know, you nerds, you can nerd out with me for a second. Oh, the depth of the riches and of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God. Why do I say that? Well, how unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. Then he, he flips it. For some of us, for many of us, really, when we're learning something, we kind of need not to just know what it is, but we know, need to know what it's not to be made distinctions for us. So he flips it. Who has known like the depths of God's knowledge, who has known the mind of the Lord? No one. Who is the, the depth of the, the wisdom of God? Who has been his counselor? Like who's really going to say, you know what, what did you do today? Oh, I, you know, I was hanging out in my office, just giving God advice. I was counseling him through some troubles, you know, just trying to help him along. No one's going to say that. Because his wisdom has depth that we could never even reach. Oh, the depth of his riches. Who has ever given to God that he should be repaid? You think what we give to God is ours? No. It's all been his. And then he says this, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. It's almost as if God is about him being glorified. The, the reason why he saved us and has given us an opportunity to be reconciled to him is not just for you. It's so that his name would be lifted up above any other name. So it's all kind of about him and for him and to him and through him and all those things. So Paul is expressing praise for all of the things that he's talked about up to this point. And then he shifts. He says, okay, if, if that's what we believe, if all of that really is reality, then, then, then here we go. Verse 1, for chapter 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. In view of the mercies of God, have you ever been arrested by a view? If, 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 if we get this, if we get what we've just talked about, if you can see it, that changes absolutely everything. For some of y'all who have glasses, like if I take my glasses off, y'all are just blurry. Any of y'all can make really funny faces at me right now, I would not even know. 
I can't see y'all. And I think a lot of times, many of us have, at least at times in life, we have walked around like this to where I can't, can't really make it out what's in front of me. And yet the view of the mercies of God has been there at all times. But many of us, for whatever reason, we aren't seeing it. We aren't noticing it. But something changes when we see it. When we put it on, we have some clarity. What do you do when you see a view and you got some people with you and you want to share it with them? Yo, 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 come, hey, come over here. Look at this. Come over here. Come, look at this. Do you see this? Hey, get, get a camera, get a camera. Selfie. <laughs> yeah, you see that? So good. We got to get a picture together. Come on, come on. Do you see that? What I'm seeing over here is that I'm messed up. I'm no good. I've, I've got everything screwed up in life. And yet, when I see the view of the mercies of God, it's telling me that, no, no, Brandon, no, 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 you don't get this. God knew you before he even created you. He, he loves you. He wants to be your father. He, 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 even though you were his enemy, he has made you his friend, his family. Guys, guys, you got to look at this. Look at the, look how amazing this is. God has done something that I, I look at that. I can't even, I can't even move. In fact, I can't take my eyes off of this because of what it looks like in view of the mercies of God. Have you seen that view? For those of us who have lived life, we've screwed up a time or two, or maybe, you know, way more than that. When we see, for some of us who think we've got life all figured out, we haven't really gone through any mess, or we, haven't, we don't think we've messed up. Most of us are just delirious to that, uh, if that's where we're at. But when we take into account where we have come from, and then we look upon the view that God has done some amazing things to reconcile us as people, oh my goodness, can you see it? In view of of the mercies of God. Y'all, this changes everything. A view can change everything about you because what it does is it beckons you to pay attention to it and that can change everything because it can change what you do. In view of the mercies of God. I used to be arrogant. I used to be prideful. I used to be, let's just call it what it is, a jerk. What's your used to be story? What's your used to be story? I used to be what? But now, in view of the mercies of God, since I've seen that, God has changed me from the inside out. What's your used to be story? Because when you can hone in on that view, everything changes. Absolutely everything. Look at this, y'all. Look at this. Because when you see the view of the mercies of God, and you really grab hold of it, your forever has been changed because in view of the mercies of God, you've got hope forever. Today, tomorrow, and for all of eternity, everything has changed. And then he says this, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. 
He's not saying, hey, you know what, you just need to get up on the altar and like hang out there and wait for him to, you know, wait for death. Like, I'm saved, I'm good, get my altar, you know, it's like a lazy boy altar, it's nice, and I'm gonna wait. Jesus, come, I'm hanging out, waiting for you. No, no, no. He's saying, be a living sacrifice. He's saying, a walking, talking, typing, sitting, looking, running, serving, listening, driving, traveling, physical sacrifice. Whatever it is that you do. Y'all, our bodies, some of you are thinking, my body, I mean, I haven't been to the gym in ever. Some of you are like, I don't know if God really wants what I got going on. Well, guess what? God doesn't need you to have a six-pack before he can use you. God doesn't need you to look a certain way before he can use you. No matter what it is that you look like, no matter what it is that you can do, he can use you in that way. So I got legs. I, I, I can walk to somebody. I can, I can be a blessing. To, I got hands. I can serve someone, right? I, I can, what, what, what can I do with these? I can do a lot of good with them. I, I've got some eyes. I can, I can notice people, you know? I can notice someone who's, walking in the church for the first time and maybe doesn't know where they're going, I can maybe go over there and, you know what, introduce myself to them, help them find their way. I've got some ears. I can, huh, I can listen. I can listen to someone talk. I can ask them questions about them and not just be so consumed about what I have to say. Because some of, some of us, we all know this, if, if, any, if, if any of us have been hurting ever, uh, when you're hurting, you don't need a lecture, right? You just need someone to hear you. You need a listener. Amen. But maybe, maybe, oh, I've got some ears, I've got some eyes. I've got my mind. Maybe I can be a living, walking sacrifice and be used by God wherever it is that I go, whatever I'm doing, and I can look for opportunities to be ones who share that view with people who may be living like this and not able to see it. Maybe, just maybe. In view of the mercies of God, be a living, breathing, glory-giving, surrendered servant of God. Use your hands. Use what you got to work with. Whatever God's given to you, he can use it. Have you ever been arrested by a view? If you've seen the view of the mercies of God, your response must be to present yourself, give yourself, surrender yourself as a living sacrifice. That is the goal of life. And he says, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true worship. Now the word true in, in Greek, it's a very interesting word, it's a cool word, uh, logikain, logikain. And it's where we get the word logic. And so present yourselves living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your logical, this is your reasonable, rational worship. Like this just makes sense. If we really believe, if we can really see the view of the mercies of God, that he has changed everything about us from the inside out, then why else, why would we not give ourselves as living sacrifices for his purposes? Because guess what? His purposes are good, and he's trying to bring about a life change in other people that he's brought about in you. So why not be a part of his mission, the one that will impact eternities, not just here and now? Why would I not be a part of what he is doing. We were all, this is the reality of what Jesus has done. We were all wounded on the battlefield behind enemy lines and what Jesus did is he ran to us, found us, picked us up over his shoulders and he ran us back 
to the place of healing and to the place of peace. So you feel like you're in a battle right now. You feel like you are on the ground hopeless. Understand Jesus came to rescue you. And if you would just let him pick you up and take you, he will take you places you never thought you would go. He really will. And then he goes on in Romans 12 verse 2. He says, do not be conformed. What is is true worship? What does that look like? Well, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I don't know about y'all, but uh, I usually don't drift toward the things of God. Like, oh, I'm living just like very unintentionally. I'm like just hanging out. You know, usually I'm not going to be like, oh, you know, oh, I'm, you're so holy, Brandon. No one says that, by the way. Uh, just go with me here. You're so holy. Oh, yeah, you know, I've just been sitting around, you know, not, not prayed or anything. Like, I usually don't do that. Like, if I'm living unintentionally without my focus on him, then I'm leading myself to a place where I'm being conformed to the outside influences of this world rather than the internal transformative power of the Holy Spirit in my life. So he's saying, you know, do not be conformed to the ways of this world, to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think that's why Jesus said when he, w- he had this crowd of people following him, he-, he looked at the crowd and said, hey, if anyone wants to come after me, if y'all want to be a part of what I'm doing here, then deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And, you know, you have to think. His disciples are like, Jesus, we're trying to start a movement here. Can you not be bringing in the tools of death into this? Like, no one's going to be excited about that. That's like me saying, hey, y'all want to be a part of the crossing? Cool. There's an electric chair over there. Go get comfortable with it, you know. It's going to be wonderful. Carry that around with you. Let it be a reminder that you need to deny yourself every single day. That, I mean, that just sounds terrible, right? But the people who heard Jesus say, pick up your cross, deny yourself, they knew the stench of a body on a cross. They were very familiar with it. And what Jesus is saying, listen up. You think you've got life figured out. Maybe you don't. But here's the thing about life. Here's the thing about following me. I've got it figured out. You don't. So if you want to walk in the way I want you to walk in, the walk, the walk that you were meant to walk, then you've got to say no to you and you've got to say yes to me every day. Every day. So present yourself. And the rest of Romans 12 uh, is really the way forward for us. He, it's, it's very interesting because what he does here is shows them, hey, in view of the mercies of God, then the rest of Romans 12 is us trying to live out so that we may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Well, what does that look like? Well, all of the rest of Romans 12 is him showing us, hey, the way of my will, if you want to walk in that, then it looks like this. It looks like you leading with mercy with everyone, no matter what it is that they do to you. Well, hold on. They hurt me. They abandoned me. I'm I'm justified in my anger. Yeah, but choose mercy. Why? The view of the mercies of God. Because that's exactly what God has done 
for us. I want to encourage, one of the last things we're going to talk about uh, here in a minute is, I just really want to encourage you, I'm going to tell you twice, uh, read the rest of Romans 12 today before you go to bed. And just start to think and imagine what it would look like for you to live Romans 12 every day of your life. Because I think, I know that that would change everything for people around you and they would come to know that, oh, this Jesus, he changes people. Why? Because I did something wrong to them and yet they did not repay evil for evil, but they let mercy lead. His will is that we would be people who, in view of the mercies of God, would willingly surrender ourselves to be people of mercy. What's God's will? It's how we treat people, and that is to lead with mercy every time. And the only way we get there to being people of mercy is if we begin with surrender. Because, here's the thing, real life, real life begins in a posture of surrender. You will not ever live the life God has called you to live if you do not begin in the posture of surrender. In view of God's mercies, if we're really seeing it, we willingly place ourselves in that posture of surrender. About eight and a half years ago, I was in Washington, D.C. Great place, pretty cool. And I was there for a conference. And just to give you a little bit of background, I was, about eight and a half years ago, I was in a place in my life where I started to like pursue wealth and achievement, I was, I was finally alive again. And the things I was doing was, it really got me out of a year and a half of paralyzed depression. Uh, what I started doing, I was a college dropout, and I joined Amway. Some of you chuckle because you know what I'm talking about. We can have a moment outside, we can share war stories. So I was in Amway, and... Uh, Basically, my day would consist of this. I would go to work, I was working at a bank, and then I would leave work, and I would go to the mall or Walmart or something like that. Walmart was always fun. But, like, I'd be in the mall, and just imagine this. Brandon, eight and a half years ago, clean-shaven, looked like I'm 12, but I wasn't 12. I was 20. And uh, I started going around, like, Barnes & Noble. So imagine yourself, Barnes & Noble. You're checking out a book, you know, just, just browsing. You're minding your own business. You're having a good time. And then I walk up, and I ruin everything. I'm going up to strangers. Hey, how are, you, how are you doing? Striking up a conversation, and, and my goal was to lead that conversation to a question. Hey, you ever thought about you know, making some extra money outside of what you're doing? And get, I'm clean-shaven. Because I'm, I'm, if I'm clean-shaven today, I still look like I'm 14. Uh, you know, like, this, this kid's talking to me about making extra money, like, just go away. Like, you're a gnat at a barbecue. Can you please go away? But every now and again, someone would say yes. And so I would present to them a business plan, and then I would go back to recruiting. So I was in the sales and recruiting business, okay? So really what that did was it actually helped me grow up, got me out of my comfort zone. Like, if you ever want to be out of, out of your comfort zone, then most of us, some of you, like, really enjoy this, just go up to random people and start talking to them about whatever, like, with no reason. I mean, you can ask them if they're looking for making out money outside of what they're doing, you can be like, oh, good for you. That's good if they say yes. <laughs> uh, so I'm back at the Washington, D.C. conference, okay? And it was really good, really inspiring. I was feeling really excited because all the speakers were really good. They had all been people who built the business and they were making, you know, Uber money and all this stuff. They were very inspiring. And uh, they were 
giving me some motivation. I'm thinking to myself, I'm sitting in the chairs, I'm like, this is so good, this is so good, I'm going to build this. And I'm thinking to myself as the people are talking, I'm, I could do that. Like talk on stage, help people, I could do that. And, and I got that in my head and I was like, oh, that'd be cool, but it probably will never happen. And then the weirdest thing happened at this conference. On Sunday, so the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. On Sunday, they had a non-denominational church service at a business conference. Who does that? And for whatever reason, I decided to go. I think the time that I was in Amway, with spending time with some of the people on our team, they were Christians, and I think that really lowered the barrier for me, lowered the, the barriers to faith and just who God is and church and all that stuff. I think that really helped uh, because Sunday comes and I go, and they have an amazing band. The environment is just really cool. I don't know what they're singing about. It's just really cool songs, you know, and it's like at a conference, the bass is booming, and it was awesome. And then the, the preacher guy gets up. And I have no idea what he said. Thinking back, I have no idea what he said. But I'm pretty sure he said something about Jesus. I'm 100% positive of that. But y'all, I was sitting there as a, as a 20-year-old who's, for the most part, just lost, broken, relationships, family was just blown to smithereens, ripped apart, looking for something, not knowing what it is. But y'all, I, I have no idea what he said. But what I remember is the way it made me feel. Because I started to see this view that was unlike any other view I'd ever seen. Like, God is way bigger, way better, way more powerful than I ever thought. And I'm so much worse than I ever thought I was. And not only that, but he's so worthy. I'm so unworthy. He's so good and gracious and loving. I'm such a jerk. And yet he's the one who created everything. He created me. And then I found out that the creator of the universe, the one who created everything, he loved me. And it wasn't that he just said it. It wasn't that he just wrote it in a book. It was that he sent his son, and his son died a death and was rose again from the dead. And if the guy rises from the dead, I'm with him. I don't know about you, but if you've ever encountered people who say they love you, and they just say it, they don't do anything about it, when you find out that your heavenly father, the one who created them, created you, created all of us, created you, when you find out that he doesn't just say that he loves you, but you find out that he really does love you, that changes everything. Because a 20-year-old started to find out that there's a view of the mercies of God that, Brandon, you were known from before you were even created, that you had a plan and a purpose, that God wanted to do something with you, and you've been straying away from him. But now, now, I've got your attention. And y'all, from that moment on, my whole life changed. Not because of anything I did, but because of his purpose and grace. 
because of what he decided to do 2,000 years ago, it's still ringing true today that there is hope, there is healing, there is life in Jesus Christ, and that is all that we ought to be surrendered to in this world. I found out, you know what, this is so good because not only can I be saved and go to heaven, but there's this He's, he's doing something. He's making all things new. He's wiping away tears, wiping away pain. And at that time, I knew pain. I knew tears. I knew all of that very, very closely. And now I know that that is not how things ought to be. That is not how things were supposed to be. Now I know that the way things were supposed to be is for me to find healing and satisfaction and contentment in the fact that there is a God, and he loves me like a son. And y'all, I don't, I don't know about you, but for me, that changed everything. And if we can really see the view of the mercies of God, that can change everything, because my view shifted that day, and for the first time in my life, I started to discover that life according to Brandon, there's a different option, that there's a life according to the king of kings, the one who created everything and when we have a view shift, when I had a view shift, I had a surrender shift. I wasn't surrendered to my ideas and my thoughts and opinions. I was then starting to become surrendered to his thoughts, his opinions, because his thoughts, his opinions, and what he's done are all that matters. So if you've ever been arrested by a view, when I was on that boardwalk on Lake Coeur d'Alene, I felt at peace. I felt like this is just so good. And I wanted to keep going back. And that's what a view can do. It can dictate what you do every time. If it's a powerful enough view, it will change you because you'll start seeing things in different ways. Because when we view the mercies of God, when we see the summit of God's faithfulness, when we see the never-ending waves of his grace, they just keep on coming. When we see the colors of his love, they are exuberant and amazing, then we can't help but be moved to a posture of surrender. At that point, I was, here I am, Lord. I, I don't know. I don't know much about this, but I'm, I'm here. I'm yours. Whatever, whenever, however. It doesn't matter. I mean, this is it. I figured it out. He's given me a gift. Him. Your will, Lord. Real life begins in the posture of surrender. Jesus said, come to him, all who are weary and burdened, and he will give you rest. Why could he say that? Because when on the night he was betrayed and arrested, before that happened, he was praying to the Father. He's saying, Lord, if, if this plan can be imp implemented in any other way, any other way, please make, make that happen. Because he knew what was coming. He knew the pain, he knew the smell, he knew the agony he was gonna go through. But then he ended his prayer with a surrendering statement. Not my will, yours. Yours be done. And because he surrendered to the will of the Father, you and I all have an opportunity to find newness of life, to find real life in him. And that changes everything. Jesus gave himself as a living sacrifice, the one that was sufficient to pay for your sin, my sin, and every other person's sin who has ever and will ever live. And that is something to be thankful for. So today, if you are here and you have never surrendered to Jesus, 
if you've never been able to stare at the view of the mercies of God, if it's now becoming clear to you, maybe God's working on you, I pray that you would surrender today. You say, Lord, I, I don't know everything, but I'm yours. I'm yours. Do with me whatever you want. I surrender to you. I pledge allegiance to you. I'm ready to give my all to you. And that is what coming to Jesus looks like. So you can do that today. We, the baptistry is warm and ready to go. You can come up here and talk to some, somebody if, if you would like to uh, work out what does that look like if you're not sure. Um, and if, if you're still not sure about the whole baptism thing, rising, joining Jesus in his death and rising to newness of life, then uh, we've got some classes coming up next week that you can get signed up for and, and be a part of. But I want to encourage you, don't let this moment pass you by. Keep the view of the mercies of God in front of you and surrender to him. And for those of us who have surrendered to him, and we've done that, and we're trying to do that every single day, then I, I just want to encourage and, and beckon us for, for simply this, to be a living sacrifice, to look for ways that we can give of ourselves, use our bodies for his glory and his purposes. We can be instruments of worship, no matter if we have a six-pack or a keg. And, and lastly, the life we're called to live is one of mercy. And just imagine if we are taken over by the view of the mercies of God, then wouldn't we also be people of mercy wherever we go with whomever we're with? So before the end of the day, I want to encourage all of us, uh, read Romans 12. Read Romans 12 and see what life could look like if that was the life we lived. I think it could change everything. So have you ever been arrested by a view? I pray that you have. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing a song of surrender to our King. Let's pray.